Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently, with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Damaju, is a funnel strategist who helps business owners build profitable and impactful online presence through funnels, automation, trainings, and templates. And one set of her templates sparked a conversation between us about designing for conversion, but not on your sales page, because that's where you'd expect it, but on the checkout page. Hands up if you also have boring checkout pages. Hey, Dama, welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here with you. Let's kick things off with a quick intro to you and your business. Sure. Yeah, I am an accountant by trade. I was bored, forever bored as an accountant. And then my husband and I quit our corporate jobs, moved abroad and started, I while I was there, we were volunteering. That was why we moved to Central America. But while we were there, I wanted to stay longer. And I started looking for online side hustles, work from home, led me to Pinterest. From that, I started an online marketing business, uh, consultancy business with Pinterest, organic, and then branching into ads, which I still do. I don't do organic so much anymore because I can't keep up. And then all that, once you start looking at ads, it's all about numbers, 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 what's converting. And that really got me interested in funnels, webinar funnels, sales page, email funnels, evergreen funnels, summit funnels, all of it. And that's where it brought me today and where I get excited because I just, there's so much to learn, so much to tweak. And I just love testing and seeing what happens. And it actually kind of harks back to your accounting numbers, spreadsheets. So none of the accounting time was really wasted. Oh, 100%. I just get to be more creative. Creative accounting is a bad thing, especially, right? If you're, <laughs> I worked for a school district. And so can't be creative. You can't even add a little flair. No, like, and what I love about what I do now is, yeah, I look at data and I'm still a data nerd. That is never, ever going to go away. But I get to take action on it and and interpret the data and look beyond the numbers. And that's what, where I get excited. So yeah, 100% accountant background still under the surface. It's just like an accountant's gone wild. <laughs> yeah. So I can't decide if I'm excited about your templates for my Thrivecard checkout that I have or whether I'm kind of annoyed with you because <laughs> for ages, it's felt like we have all as an industry on the online space agreed to have fairly ugly or just basic checkout pages. Beautiful sales pages, but just utilitarian checkouts. And I feel like now you're coming along and being like, no, 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 Diane, you need to care about checkout design as well. So tell me why. Yeah. So as a funnel strategist, I have had my hands in a lot of funnels and every different kind you can imagine. The low ticket thing with the million upsells, the evergreen webinar, high ticket, group coaching, summits, paid summits, like I've had my hands in all of those. And I started noticing a few things. And this one is, the first thing that jumped out at me is not revolutionary, right? Sales are gonna be highest on your day one, on your first day and your last day, right? Day one is because it's the most excited Everyone's like, they've been waiting for this. Those are wait listers. They're your buy everything Diane has people. And that's great. And then the last day, because the FOMO has kicked in, all the subtle reminders and your marketing efforts are paying off all the emails, the reminders, the ads, the social media posts, the IG stories, the live streams, all of that. 
has paid off and now you've like, okay, they've worn me down, I'm gonna buy it. And then the procrastinators who were in the whole time, but just get a cheap thrill off of waiting from for the last minute. I'm included in that, guilty as charged, I'm a procrastinator. So yeah, when you look at your sales at the end of a launch, I notice that it's always an inverted bell curve, right? It's like a wide U. Sales in the beginning and then a lot at the end. And I started paying attention to what comes in at the end. And that last day can be as much as 50% of your total. If you were gonna sell 100 seats of your course, 50 of them are coming in the last day. And I noticed this across industries, across models and formats and funnel types. It just kept seeing it again and again and again. And so I started thinking about one, how can we optimize for the middle? But more importantly, how can we even, can we just kill it even stronger on that last day? And what are we missing? And what I noticed is as I did funnel designs myself, yes, I've designed them. I've also hired out the design is that people care about the sales page. They're happy to spend a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars on a really beautiful sales page. And they care about the, the Instagram graphics and they care about everything being branded AF except the checkout. And I kept seeing if you have, if you're a Thrivecart user already, you know, when you go to create a checkout, it's like this standard teal green color. Do you know how many checkouts, Diane, I've seen with that teal green color? And I'm like, ooh, missed opportunity. That's not your brand color. Oof, missed opportunity. And I just, I started noticing this is a place where pretty much everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are dropping the ball. And they're even funnel designers. They're waiting all their effort, their energy to the checkout page, I mean, to the sales page, and then throwing almost no effort into the checkout. Very, very little. But I started thinking about how we could optimize that. And then I also started thinking about something that I'm guilty of, and it's tab parking. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Not from anyone but you. <laughs> okay, good, because, it's, because I'm pretty sure I, I made it up and I just keep hoping that I just keep worrying someday someone's gonna be like, yes, I invented that, I patented it, you owe me $8 million. Anyway. Start putting your TM next to yeah, it. TM is done as of today. Okay, yes, good idea. So I had this concept that came to me, I was probably out for a drive where I do this. How many of us have at least five tabs open at any given time? 25, 100, I'll admit I am a chronic tab hoarder. I always in my corporate life and in my personal life was like, oh, too many tabs. I used to make fun of my husband for it until I became a digital entrepreneur and online business owner. And now every thought I have essentially is a tab and I can have a hundred open at any given time. That's probably giving you chest pains, but it's my normal cadence. But how I use all those tabs is I just leave things open in a tab for when I wanna come back to it. It sometimes I go through, usually on Fridays, and call my tabs and I'm like, what's in here? What is all this? You know, if I don't recognize the Favicon, especially, I'm like, what's this trash? You know? And so I started noticing this opportunity in optimizing checkouts for conversion, but then also in my own personal behavior and others that we have all these tabs open. We kind of don't know what's opening, what's going on in them. And it all kind of crystallized in. I often will read the sales page. Frankly, I'll skim it. And I think most of us do. We'll skim the, the sales page. If it's something that I'm like, yeah, I'll come back. I'm gonna buy this. 
but probably not now. I'm going to buy it Friday because uh, it's the work week. It's Tuesday. I'm not doing this. I'll leave it open in a tab. And later when I come back to clear my tabs or I'm looking for that thing, oh, I have to buy Diane's thing. Cart closes today. I can't find it because it's this nondescript thing in a sea of tabs. And I know I'm not the only one that does this where we have hundreds of tabs or dozens of tabs and we kind of forget what's what. I've also come back to blank checkouts. I was looking at a bundle two weeks ago, beautifully designed sales page, lots of good offers. I had clicked add to like purchase. It took me to a generic Thrivecart sales page with the standard teal green, no bullet points, no nothing on it. And I was like, yeah, no. I don't even know what this is. Later, when I came to the tab, I closed it because I couldn't remember what it was. And it was a very generic name, like scale, the scale package or something or whatever. So not very specific. So by having a beautiful checkout page, not only are you clinching that sale, helping people get across that finish line of like, do I want this thing? I'm going to come back to it. Do I, and even if they're not coming back to it, but are you helping them cross that finish line? And also if they have kind of left it open in a tab, do they even know what it is when they look at it 20 minutes later? I might walk downstairs to get a glass of water and come back and, and land on that tab again and not know what the heck this checkout's for. So I just started noticing, this all kind of crystallized in, we're all falling short. We're, we're leaving money on the table by not optimizing our checkouts. So what are the key elements of a well-designed checkout page, whether that's Thrivecart or not, right? Yes, could be anything. You're right. It doesn't have to be a Thrivecart because pretty much any checkout, unless it's something really, really basic, like maybe Send Owl, you can customize it. So for sure, the offer name, loud and clear. And this is important, like typography and, and your hierarchy. It should not be in the same 12-point font as the rest of your, here's your name and here's the you know, like all the other necessary parts of your of your checkout, your name should be, the offer name should be loud and clear. Make it jump out, make it the first thing that they see on the page because they might not know what it is if they've come back to it. The price and the payment plan options, and this is another option, the other time where I see like, yes, it's 497 or they click this and it's 97, but what does that payment plan mean in real English? So I like to add that to my checkouts. When I add payment plans, if the product is, you know, more than a couple hundred dollars. And then another big thing is making sure your checkout is mobile optimized. It needs to look good on phones because when you're a data nerd and you look at the numbers, most transactions, 75% or more sometimes are happening on the phone. So does it, is it mobile optimized? Does it look good on, on the phone? Is everything jumping out where you need it to be? So loud and clear, the offer name, I like it in a bigger or bolder font if you can. Your your price and your payment plan options, try and use real English there or what your language is and make sure it's mobile optimized. Those are the absolute bare minimums. Okay, and then from a design perspective, are we adding images, are we tweaking fonts? Are we just changing to brand colors? I mean, even I know how to change to my brand colors in Thrivecart. Yeah. So once you've made sure the offer name and the price are very clear and it's good on mobile, then I like to add one to three, trying to go crazy here, conversion boosters. And those are things like you mentioned, an image. So a product mock-up, visual reminders always help. Never a bad idea to have that. And if you can add alt text for those who are visually impaired, one or two short 
snappy testimonials. Do not put a big paragraph. Even if your client has written a gushing novel about how great your thing is, no one's going to read it. We're all skimming. So one, maybe two sentences, keep them very short and snappy and skimmable. And I like to use bold and underline and italics to make the things that are most important jump out. You could also add a clear summary of what's included. Bullet points, again, try and keep this to one sentence each. Two, if they're little sentences, really skimmable. And again, you can use bolding and underbinding and italics with some restraint to make the biggest points jump out. And then if you have a bonus, you can shout that out. And another option is a countdown timer. So I would not necessarily have all of those on a checkout page. I would pick one or two. So if it's something like, for example, one of my highest converting short form checkout templates has the mock-up, the name, bold, front and center, and two snappy testimonials, like they're one sentence. Dama has, or these templates have, really simple. And I included my customer's face on them because they gave me permission and that just makes it a little bit more real. But that's it. I don't have countdown timers. I don't have a huge long list of bonus benefits, this, that. It's pretty simple. And yet not having it was hurting. Sometimes we don't, most of the time we don't read sales pages. I don't really sit and read testimonials. Personally, I don't read the majority of the sales page. I skim and most other folks do, and they're going to skim your checkout as well. So when there's less info on the page, they're going to be inclined to read it. So there's that fine line, right? You don't want to add too much, but bare an empty checkout page also can be hurting you. So it's a fine line of adding, I like to call them one or two conversion boosters. Yeah. And you mentioned colors. I can chat a little bit about that too. I often see pages or checkouts where like if your brand color is purple like everything's purple everything's purple the font is this same color of purple and this is that the boxes and the backgrounds and the this and the that i really like buttons to be a contrasting so if everything's purple make your button yellow or make it something else that's gonna stand out because i see sometimes the color being a singular color being overused too much and you really want your button to be a unique, your boldest color and really be the only thing on the page when you have multiple buttons on a sales page or just the one on your checkout, that it needs to be front and center clear. This is what I push when it's time to when it's time to buy. And I like to add a little copy, like heck yes, yeah, send me my ebook or like I'm in, you know, that kind of thing. Purchase now or whatever. So I like to add sometimes like the snappy copy on the button too. But when it comes to color, I see too much use of one color and the button doesn't stand out enough. So you really want to use color strategically, even if it's just like you said, Diane, I have my brand color. What's your accent color? Can your button be that? Or can your button be the accent color? Your button be your brand color and everything else be a complimentary shade, but in different hues and tones, not so bold. That's how I like to use color on there. Yeah, and I think the color with the button, that's important for accessibility as well. If somebody's using a screen reader to make sure that it's clear. I've never really thought about it, but I guess you could put your checkout URL into one of the accessibility checkers as well. The kind of website things that will read through and go, this, change this, tweak this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could. You can also optimize or, or make sure that it's accessible with contrast. Um, it's a big pet peeve when it's like my brand font, my brand color is purple. So here's a lavender button with a purple 
co- you know, text color and it's just not enough contrast to make it legible or my I guess my least favorite thing is like here's a soft purple with a light colored like a white font like no 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 buttons should be punchy it's okay for a button to be an almost raunchy color (laughs) like really brash that's okay you want if I blur my eyes as I'm scrolling through your checkout or your sales page and my eyes like I don't even need to read the words I should know what the buy now or the jump to the bottom buttons are because the color is so attention grabbing. If it's not in your palette, I get it, but I think it's the, you can get really fast and loose with buttons so that the eye is instantly drawn there. So let's say I'm swamped, super swamped, or I have a bajillion checkout pages. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to make sure they've got those three essentials, three essentials, the Mm -hmm. big offer heading, the payment plan uh, and the price. Right? Yeah. Those are the essentials. And it's right? mobile optimized. Mm-hmm. And it's mobile optimized. Sorry, I forgot the third one. Mobile optimized. Now, I only have time to add one conversion booster. What would be your go-to? What would be the one that like, if you only have time to do one thing, do this uh, from a completely fully DIY perspective? Yes. If you have a mock-up, add your product mock-up, add a graphic, or if you have a logo for your course or something like that, most people will have a mock-up already made for their sales page or might even be a logo or something any visual element can break up the boringness of a white checkout with one color button you know like that that's all the color that is on the page is just the button that's fine but i still think if you're gonna add just the one thing you can spend one minute per checkout or less adding your mock-up, which is probably already saved to your SAM card or your Thrive card or whatever, and it won't take you long to upgrade. So if you could do that, I would add the mock-up. Awesome. So I want to detour slightly, and I'm curious as to why you went one step further. So you went, let's optimize Thrive card as as an amazing checkout, but you've gone one step further and gone, I'm pretty much going to do everything almost except email in Thrive card, right? So sales page, checkout, the whole works. Right. So basically how I kind of stumbled on all of this was working in clients launches. The designer did the sales page. They did this, they did that. And it was just me (laughs) making the checkout template look better because I had this nagging feeling that we were missing an opportunity. Right. And so I started getting into what you could do with design and Thrivecart. And then that turned into and birthed this whole other thing. I launched a Thrivecart template shop, right? I have checkout templates. I have full sales pages. You wouldn't believe, Diane, how many people have told me I had no clue you could make Thrivecart look this good. I had no clue you could do a full sales page. And that begged the question of like, how, right? Just befuddled, the befuddled looks on people's faces like, what? You're doing what? Especially when I would say, actually, I'm using Thrivecart as my full funnel solution, zero zaps. And just, you know, like picture the mind blown emoji because a lot of people were like, you what? How are you running a business without zaps? And so I recorded a 15 minute training, like a BTS of my entire funnel from from like lead to sales page to upsells, downsells, all the native integrations that are already built into Thrivecart, all the automations, how I'm doing it, how it works with my email service provider, how I'm delivering my course, my every everything. I did this all in 15 minutes. I walked through my entire system. And then because people have asked me like, what are the downfalls? Like what what's the catch? What's the other shoe that hasn't dropped? 
I did at the end of that, included in that 15 minutes, I went through my favorite things about Thrivecart and some things that I are not my favorite that I wish that they would change or fix. And it's funny because I just recorded that and within three weeks they released a fix. So yay for that. But yes, I go through in 15 minutes the whole process, like how I'm doing it, where, how the zero zaps is happening, how I'm still using automation cleverly and strategically and what my least favorite parts are. Yeah, that, that training's been really popular. Great, and you mentioned in that, that you talk about upsells and downsells as well. Do you apply the same checkout conversion? These are the three essentials. Pick a booster to your upsell downsell pages as well. My upsell down page, my upsell pages are a little bit more downsells. Yes, downsells are usually pretty minimal, but upsells mm. are an opportunity because you're introducing a whole new concept. Most of the time, they never saw it coming. They didn't even. You don't even have to have a proper offer and sales page and funnel mm -hmm. for the thing that's on your upsell page. That's how I've done it with, with some of my own funnels. Like you might not have even known this existed until you went through the funnel. Love upsells, I'm wild about them. And yeah, so I do do a little bit more of an elaborate design on an upsell page. On a downsell, it can be pretty simple. It doesn't, it can be kind of ugly. Like it doesn't, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, we didn't want this instead, you know? <laughs> it can yeah. be kind of like, very casual, like here, grab some gum on your way out. But the upsell is like, hold on. Do you want to do something fun with me? Do you want to grab this? Like, this is something that I am selling for twice as much somewhere else, or you can't get it anywhere else. So yeah, yeah, I treat upsells as a pretty big opportunity and they've been a big income booster for me. So a bit more like a, a bit more of a sales page for your upsell. Yeah, they're right. half, they're not even half the size of a sales page though. They're much shorter, I would say, a full, like a sales page that I like to use. I don't do the 20 million page long sales page where you're scrolling forever. I usually do, which are usually like 20 to 30 sections. My sales pages are anywhere between eight and 12. My upsell page is usually three. So it's shorter, it's less than half, but not, not quite so bare bones as a downsell would be or as a checkout would be. Well, I'll be sure to link that training in the show notes so that everyone can go and see examples as well of what you're talking about yeah, you can actually see the behind the scenes of my funnel with it it's been really yeah. popular so to finish up i always ask my guests the same two questions first up mm -hmm. what is your number one lifestyle boundary for your business the biggest i would say the 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 hard no is anything that is out of integrity with my values anything that is going to promote drug use anything that is like heavy on illegal activity or yeah i mean just anything that is out of my personal conscience kind of comfort level i don't care what you're willing to pay me it's still a hard no there's just so it's like a, it's a no from a like i don't want to be involved in a bundle with you i don't want to be like connected to you i don't want to be affiliated with you i don't want to work for you right anything out of, of it out of integrity for me means i don't want to be yeah i won't be connected we i won't join your collab i will likely decline your summit you you want to hire me i'll say no yeah so wow you're definitely getting invited to way more um, exotic summits than me <laughs> <laughs> It hasn't come to that for summits, except when I talk about with integrity, it's like when people say gross things like you, 
you need to have this many and you know, you need to have this size of email list. I've declined summits um, based on that because you're you're basically treating a person like a number. So any collaboration where it's not about how can I feature and spotlight you? Well, also, let's be honest, helping myself, those are five, like if, if that's your number one aim is how can you use me, then it's a no. I don't care what the opportunities are. A mental health hiatus with all of the cancel culture that was happening in 2020 and that changed, you know, and, and, and just with the social media being so heavy for me. I think that's a great way to sum it up. Okay, finally, what is the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? You have to post every single day. How often do you post? Never. <laughs> I never post. My Instagram is a desert wasteland and it doesn't matter. I stopped being consistent. <laughs> this is a lie because I'm not consistent on Instagram at all, but I stopped trying or caring about being consistent. Last summer, I took a 30-day social media with Black Lives Matter. It was really hard because my husband's Black and I kept having nightmares and and anxiety. I had to just step away. And ever since then, I had this reality, reality that my business will grow even if I don't promote on social media. And then last summer, I just gave myself permission to just, who cares? I don't care. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to even allow myself to feel guilty about not posting. And my buzz business has doubled. I don't know, maybe tripled since last summer. So I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't I don't hate Instagram, but I've just given myself all the permission in the world to just no guilt, no shame, no care. I'm going to post when I want to and if I feel like it and yay, whatever. <laughs> And what do you use instead as a uh, a client generator? Relationship marketing. So affiliates and collaborations, bundles, summits, podcasts. It says, when you say, what do you use? I guess I, you could say use, but really what do I see the most benefit and mm -hmm. reap the most ROI and joy from? I'd rather spend 30 minutes talking to Diane Mayer than writing, than spending an hour and a half designing a post. I just don't see it because I like talking to you and I'm enjoying the conversation. It's more joyful for me, but also what's the reality? Who's going to hear this? Probably lots more people than would ever see my lame post that I obsess over in Canva for two and a half hours. So the ROI enjoy emotional exhaustion and actual financial ROI from participating in bundles and collabs and summits and networking and, and affiliate marketing, all those things. Just relationship marketing is where it's at and the numbers have shown it. The more I relied on that, especially this year, the less I stopped thinking about what, how I could at market, 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 advertise, advertise. I just said, let me just reach out to people and collab with them. And my business has grown significantly for it. And these people are my friends now and I care about them. And it just made the online business space so much more enjoyable to me. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything today. This is a little bit awkward because this is normally where I'd ask where people can find you on social media to carry on the conversation. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I hang out on Instagram. I just don't post, but I hang out. I'm a, I'm a scroller and a creeper and I will... I like to comment on people's stuff and I love to DM and make those connections, but I hang out in the DMs. I'm not really a poster. So yes, I am on Instagram. Yes, I look at it all the time and I like to share IG stories, but I just don't post. So that's what okay. I mean by that. I don't. I took the pressure off myself of posting, like I said, posting every day. 
not me, not this girl, but I, I do hang out there and I like to still take in content there and, and especially connect. So yes, right. my Instagram <laughs> handle is details dot to the letters T-O dot Dama. Well, thank you so much for this. Definitely an area that I have given very little thought to and one that I will clearly be spending some time with along with your <laughs> templates in the near future. Yeah, don't overthink it. Little tweaks can have a big impact. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Diane. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.